Welcome to the Advanced Relationship Podcast. We are your hosts, Bryce Bauer and Jenny Morrow. We are a husband and wife team helping you create the most intimate, loving, and powerful relationships on the planet. What's up, everybody? This is Bryce with the Advanced Relationship Podcast. I'm excited to be on here today. I'm flying solo. Jenny was a little bit busy, but I had a topic I really wanted to talk about, so I'm jumping on the mic and just going for it. So a few years ago, Jenny had a credit to a cute little meditation and yoga retreat in Trincones, Mexico, which is just above Ixtapa on the Pacific side. And we wanted to use the credit before it expired and it just so happened that we could use it in January. So getting out of Utah in January to go to Mexico just sounded amazing. Even though I wasn't really psyched on the yoga and meditation, I figured I could dabble in whatever I wanted and use the rest of the time to explore and be on the beach, have a good time. So we get there and it's amazing. Just like the pictures, it was called the present moment retreat in Troncones, and I think we should even put a little link in there if you want to check it out because it was just amazing, and we'd love to do a retreat there in the near future. I think we will. But it was everything that I had seen in the pictures that I had dreamed about doing in the winter because I'm not a huge fan of the cold, and so we rolled up there, and I immediately felt really at home, really happy, really excited, and we got to bed that night kind of late, and the next morning... We set our alarms because they were doing a meditation on this deck overlooking the ocean. And I woke up feeling great. And I was so happy, really, just to be there that I was open to doing anything. Meditation, who cares? And so we got up, we went down on the deck, and there was this guy there who was about my age. And he was just sitting there meditating as we're getting ready to set up and get our pillows and whatnot. And I remember feeling like really skeptical of this guy. I'm like, I think he, for some reason, I thought maybe he's like putting on kind of a show, you know, kind of posturing, like, look how spiritual I am or (laughs) look how good I can meditate. And um, it's interesting just thinking back to that moment. But uh, we sat down and it was scheduled for 30 minutes. And I thought, wow, that is a long time to sit. I don't know if I can do this. I guess I can leave if I need to. Um, But I got my pillow and sat And he opened his eyes, looked around slowly, made eye contact with all of us. And he asked us to keep our eyes open and just look straight ahead and just tune in to our breath. There was no prefacing, no context, really. Just we just jumped right into it. And at first I I began to notice that, yeah, I was feeling some tenseness and, and stress maybe from the travel and maybe a little bit tired and he asked to for us to focus on that and then keep bringing attention back to the breath. And I did, slowly but surely, and I didn't really know what was happening, but I was feeling relaxed and good. And then all of a sudden, probably 10 minutes in, something just clicked. I was staring out into the horizon, and the breeze was blowing, and I could see the ocean and hear the waves and feel my body 
and and sense my breath and I just stepped out of my experience. Like I wasn't identified with what was going on in that moment. I was I was witnessing what was happening. And it wasn't that it felt like I was happy necessarily or that I was excited or it wasn't anything that I'd compare to to anything that I've ever really experienced. It was more that I just was. And I know this may sound a little corny now, um, and I imagine that this is what a lot of people think when they have this experience of stepping back, that I wasn't really sure what to make of it. But I knew that I liked it. And I soon lost this feeling and went back into thought again. And he would come in every couple of minutes and give some specific instruction or ask us to gently bring our attention back to the breath again. And I would do it and I'd step back again and then back lost in thought and step back again and back lost in thought. And it was really interesting to even notice that, that I was having this, this experience of stepping in and out. And the meditation ended. I felt really good. Me and Jenny talked about it. I, I just, I couldn't really explain in words what had happened. I just was telling her how, how interested I was in meditation. All of a sudden, I wanted to become, you know, a great meditator, which is how I deal with lots of things that I feel uh, interested in or feel like I might be good at is I just want to become the best, which is, and it's funny because this is not what's going to happen in meditation. That is not the goal. And so we end the meditation, we have a day out on the beach and we're doing activities. And then the next morning, there's going to be another meditation. So again, get up early, show up. And I have the same experience, just this feeling of complete peace and content, stepping out and stepping back in and being attached and being detached. And this went on for the entire week that we were there. And, and we started doing little mini meditations on the beach or wherever we were, me and Jenny on our own. And I just felt so in love with Jenny and I felt so peaceful in myself and I was I just wanted to bring this experience back with me to Utah. And so I decided that I was gonna just get into meditation as soon as I got back. And that's not what happened. I came back and of course there was work and life and it was cold and um I didn't have a beach to meditate on, so I fell off the wagon. I just didn't do it and I wanted to, but I just didn't and after a few weeks, I noticed, you know, just more irritability coming up um, and a sense in me that, that I was going fast all the time and that I wanted to slow down but didn't know how. I just started noticing this come up more and more. So I decided to set up a challenge for myself, which was that I was going to meditate 30 minutes a day for 30 days and see what happens. And I did, and it was tough, and there were days that I really didn't feel like I could make the time, days I didn't want to, but I showed up every day and sat down and just tried to see what would happen. And I had many less experiences than what I did in Mexico. They seemed few and far between. But as I was sitting more and more, I got used to sitting 
And I was able to sit through some of that uncomfortability and some of that distraction more and more to the point where I just felt like I could do it, even if I was lost in thought the whole time. But I, I remember thinking also, like, what is the point of all this? Like, what am I really going for? What is the goal here? And then as me and Jenny moved deeper into our relationship, I realized how valuable of a tool this was for me when I would get elevated or charged on an issue and I was able to sometimes, not all the time, step back and take a few breaths or do a quick check-in or meditation prior to us having a, uh, an important conversation and how big of a deal it was and how, how it made using the tools to have a conversation that much more easy and effective and it made our fighting more and I say fighting as in arguing, um, not literally fighting, but it made our arguing more efficient. Since then, I've been meditating every day, and you know, it, it, it's it's varied in how long I, I do meditate. Sometimes it, I've, I've done up to two hours in a day. I'm not some expert who spends goes on long retreats and spends eight to fourteen hours a day, but I've definitely incorporated this into my life to where it's at least twenty minutes and sometimes even up to an hour or two in a day, depending on the space that I have and what I feel like I'm needing. When I work with couples now, I often notice that this is something that even if we're trying to sit for even a minute or two and just tune in, that people are not able to do. And I can really relate with this because this is the place where I started as well. And I feel like I'm a good spoke per spokesperson for novice meditation because I am not an expert. I am someone who uses it a little bit each day to improve my relationship primarily with with Jenny and with myself. Um, and I can speak to the struggles that you may come up against being a novice meditator and maybe not having any ambition of moving beyond that. And the place I want to start first is when I'm talking about meditation or going through a guided meditation with clients, I often ask them after we've sat, what came up for you? And sometimes people say nothing. Or I ask them if they were able to step out of thought and they say, yeah. And we sometimes get into a philosophical talk about what's the experience for them and they seem to believe that they're just always in the now. Where else could they be? And the the answer is that there's no way that we can be in the now at all times. And that's a fundamental understanding that people will find when they begin to meditate. It's just how often we are on autopilot or lost in thought. And it takes a lot of work to even get to the starting line, to get to this place of understanding, like, wow, I'm lost quite a bit. And instead of just explaining this to you, I want to try an exercise. So if you're driving, this might be a little bit harder, and I don't recommend you do it. Probably just want to pause and do it when you get back home. It won't take that long, by the way, if you're worried about being in silence. Maybe you're doing something. <laughs> So if, if you do have the space to, to sit down and, and just relax, I recommend you do it so you can see what I'm talking about and really feel it and experience it. So once you've 
sat down in a chair. Don't lay down. People seem to fall asleep sometimes or they're unable to focus as well as if they were just sitting. And once you've sat down in a chair, on the couch, on the floor, on a pillow, whatever works, wherever you feel most comfortable, I want to invite you just to relax your body as much as you can. And you may experience somewhat of a sinking feeling as if gravity is pulling down on you. You can actually feel it. as well as the support or the pushing up of your seat. And stay as straight as you can while also allowing these two forces to go to work. Let your arms hang by your sides or in your lap. And then just gently bring your attention to your breath. There's no need to control it. Just let it come and go as naturally as possible. Now that you're feeling sufficiently relaxed or more relaxed than you were, I want you to see if you can focus on 10 breaths in a row without getting lost in thought or becoming distracted. And make sure not to rush the breaths. Just let them come and go naturally. Probably at least four seconds for each inhale and exhale. And we're only going to do one try at this. And I'm going to give you about 45 seconds of silence. And if it helps, you may count one on the inhale and exhale or notice the pause between breaths and count there. Whatever helps you focus on the breath, use all the tools at your disposal. And we'll begin in three, two, one.
And if you are lost in thought now, welcome back. And if you were able to stay focused the whole time, congratulations. That's often not easy for most people. But I just want you to take a second and whether you were surprised by the sound of my voice, whether you were starting to fall asleep or whether you were just caught up in the to-do list or whether you were intensely focused on the breath and just feel really grounded right now, wherever you're at, just notice that. And notice how often you're not here. Notice how often you don't take the time to do this. And as you're going about your day and then as you're in relationship to everyone else and specifically your primary partner, if you have one, just notice how hard it would be to interact with someone, to share what you're feeling or to really feel into their feelings or energy if you're not in this place, if the to-do list is constantly running in the background, how distracting that could be, how stressful this can be. If you're not able to ever slow down, because it's not just in the waking hours that this speed happens, these constant thoughts flood in, it also happens while we're asleep. You may have woken up with terrors of money and what are the kids doing or something about your partner or work, uh, something that you shouldn't have said or something you need to do. This may be happening 24 hours a day. And this can feel like a huge burden. It can feel scary. At least that's been my experience, waking up to it some. Whatever it is, Now you're beginning to get an idea of what's possible. What if you were able to do this a little bit every day and just come back to a grounded place? What if you were able to do this before the conversation got too heated and you said something that you didn't mean? Or if your partner was able to do this, how much more efficiently would you speak to each other? How much more love would you be able to draw in? How much more perspective would you be able to see? I can tell you it's a lot. The definition of mindfulness in the dictionary is a mental state achieved by focusing one's awareness on the present moment while calmly acknowledging and accepting one's feelings, thoughts, and bodily sensations. And whether you choose to do this through an app or a teacher, or just on your own, this is mainly what we're focusing on. It's not rocket science. It's taking the time to notice what you're feeling, what thoughts are arising, and what's going on in your body. And I think the body is especially important because it will often tell us things before we even know what's going on. So, We have this central nervous system that is poised to react at any sense of threat, whether it be emotional or physical, and the brain doesn't really differentiate between physical and emotional, and you have trigger words or trigger scenarios in which this happens on a daily basis, and it's easy to get caught up in this, and if your partner doesn't know what these are for you, 
if you're not able to slow down and notice that one of these buttons has just been pushed, then you're susceptible to be being caught in the tornado of emotion and of chemicals in the brain, such as adrenaline and cortisol, that will make you essentially not act yourself. You won't be as smart, you won't be able to think creatively, and you may be overcome with anger or sadness. Not that those are not okay to feel. In fact, I think part of this is feeling into those. But there's a difference between feeling them, witnessing them, and being totally identified and overcome by them to the point where you're not able to hold yourself up. And to take this even deeper into how this is effective in a relationship, I want to talk about what actually happens when you're angry with your partner. And just having more information can often feel helpful. To think that there's something wrong with you versus, no, this is just what my body is doing to protect myself, can make a huge difference. Not only in how you're experiencing your emotions, but also how you're seeing your partner. Because if you think that your partner is acting a certain way or blaming because they want to hurt you, they're attacking you, that can feel really threatening. But if you can see that they're having a very relatable experience, then you're able to draw in a lot more compassion for them. And thus, we can go back to the safe, protective bubble that we want to create in a relationship. And we can stay in that bubble longer, and it can grow stronger, and we will get along better with our partner, which is ultimately the, the goal. This is why I'm here, at least. So whenever we're angry or frustrated, our brain goes into a stress response. And stress hormones like adrenaline and cortisol are released. And this is happening without us even knowing most of the time. There are different parts of the brain that get activated depending on our outside situations. And they don't ask for our permission. We don't get to think about really whether we should run from the, the lion or yell back at someone who yells at us. Often this is happening automatically. And this is important to know because we often think of ourselves as the controlling agent in everything that we do. And that's just science and, and neuroscience and biology now teach us that we're not always in control. But whenever we have these stress hormones released into our brain, Blood flow is directed to the muscles. We tense up. Our digestion is inhibited, which leads to stomach aches. Blood rushes out of our face. Our pupils dilate. We are pushed back into our amygdala, which is the part of the brain that handles fight, flight, or freeze response. And we move out of really educated and informed thinking and just into survival. And there are really only... A few ways to slow this down. The first is that we can use drugs or alcohol and flood our body with new chemicals to counteract these chemicals. And this may create this may create a feeling of ecstasy or relief. Um, it's interesting that in movies and you've probably seen this with someone in your life or maybe you've done this yourself where, there's a bad breakup or a, a fight and someone goes to the bar and they just sit there and just get wasted or 
turned up at a house party and they appear by all means to be feeling much better and then they sleep it off and wake up and it might feel as though it never really happened there might be some residual feelings but uh this appears to a lot of people to be an effective strategy an accepted strategy which i find mind-blowing and it may work a few times but in the long run this is where we move into places of addiction and it's just not going to work in the long run Um, there is no shortcut here number two is that we can sink deeper into our survival strategies and just wait it out essentially Um, And this could look like some form of distracting, you know, going out and being around people all the time or isolating for days at a time, playing video games, whatever survival strategy or distraction that we use, we can just go there, sweep it under the rug as best we can. And life can pull us out of this in some ways and our brains will slowly come back online and this can also look effective but again it's there are no shortcuts here sweeping things under the rug leaves them still under the rug and they will come up at some other point number three is that we can proactively work to slow our brain and bodies down and get our prefrontal cortex back online so that we can think more rationally And this is where meditation and mindfulness can come in really handy in relationships because as we slow down and focus our attention, we are activating a different part of our brain that can think creatively and solve these problems and talk to our partner in a rational way. And this is something that doesn't come with any negative side effects and it does work long-term. And the more we do it, the more efficient we will become at using it, and essentially the better we work through disagreements. So as opposed to using other distractions or drugs and alcohol, whereas it becomes less effective over time, this will become more effective over time. And obviously we can all agree that number three is the best way to deal with things, but it's not easy. It does take practice. It does take time. But it all really starts, I think, with information and just trying. I don't know what would have happened if I had never gone to Mexico and experienced that meditation that day. I still think I would have found it some other way just in being around um, the therapeutic community and in this work of relationships. It seems like just an essential tool. But I don't know how long it would have taken me or if I would be where I am with it today and there is no endpoint. I have a long ways to go. And even though I don't feel euphoria and excitement and happiness during or after each meditation, the benefits long-term have, have so much outweighed the time that I've put into it that I see no reason to stop. And I'm beginning to think that this is more and more the foundational step to being able to work through conflicts and to be in relationship with someone else and of course as you and jenny if you're familiar with our process of poet the first step is p presence which is interchangeable for mindfulness or meditation so 
What can you do today? I highly suggest incorporating some type of mindfulness into your life, whether it be meditation or yoga or partner practice, even just sitting with each other for a minute or two before you have a talk or after you come home from work, maybe look into each other's eyes. That's really helpful if you feel up for it. But these will make a big difference over time. And if you're having trouble remembering, you can set an intention. I'm a big believer in sticky notes and making commitments to your partner or challenges. I always feel like I need a a challenge. It needs to like really, um, there needs to be a, a sense of fear and excitement for me to really jump into things a lot of times. But this is a foundational tool because if you don't have the tools to relax and slow down, then you will not be able to use the other tools as well or they won't be as effective because you can have all the conceptual and intellectual tools at your disposal but if you're so charged or elevated angry frustrated that you can't slow down your mind then you probably won't be able to use them so thanks for listening today i'm really really psyched on this topic and i look forward to jumping on with you guys more and more as time goes on and sharing my thoughts on relationships and love and how to make this human experience with all its struggles and fears better and better over time. So thanks, everyone.